Welcome back to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer, Brandon Jones, and myself, Dan Strafford. And on today's episode, we're going to discuss unlearning, a topic that you may see in psychology magazines, but also organizational uh, leadership uh, ideals and in the classroom as well. Uh, but first and foremost, I always like to check in first. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm recovering uh, from our trip last week, uh, which was exciting. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully folks had a chance to listen to our South by Southwest uh, EDU shows uh, where uh, we got a lot of value uh, out of that visit. Uh, very zeitgeisty, uh, as we like to say. And uh, what's uh, what's striking me uh, as I uh, continue to uh, wrote, uh, revolve around the sun uh, on the earth is that uh, the more I learn, the more I start to get interference from things I already learned. Uh, so I'm excited to lean into unlearning. Hopefully I'll unlearn a few things uh, as we go along. But I do feel like when you're at those types of conferences where you're just sort of almost leaning into the, the experiences and like learning a lot of new stuff, uh, it's always interesting to think about how that relates to whatever your prior knowledge was. Uh, and then hopefully, uh, you know, you ultimately come out uh, for the better, which I think I did. So um, yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to lean into the unlearning. Brandon, how about yourself? Well, very merry unlearning to you, to you. Um, yeah, I, so similarly, uh, you know, like reflected last week on the South by, uh, pod, um, uh, lots to learn. And, uh, I think changing some of our perspectives on things, I think I always leave with some fresh, uh, ideas from there. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this for unlearning. Cause I, I think that there's, um, it's it's not one-sided the conversation around unlearning i think i think today we'll probably get into both sides but i'll say this it's it scans great like it, it's oh my God. unlearning like why has this never been a thing that we've talked about before it's like it, it's just as a it's a great brand around yeah. uh, unlearning mm -hmm. and mike uh would you be able and willing to define sort of the scope of what unlearning is and how we'll use it in context of today's episode? Sure. I'm, uh, I'm able to try to <laughs> refine it. And, uh, and as Brandon mentioned, like it's a, it's a, it's a concept that's not without a little bit of controversy. So uh, I think the, the high level uh, idea of unlearning is that um, as new ideas are introduced, frequently they run uh, counter to previous concepts, prior knowledge that uh, you already had. So when you talk about new skill acquisition, um, increasingly that involves not just learning the new skills, learning the new competencies, it also frequently requires uh, uh, either reframing or you know shifting to a different paradigm, which is one of the counterpoints that's out there that you know, you don't actually unlearn the old ideas. You just learn new frameworks that uh, can kind of coexist and you can shift from one uh, sort of mode of understanding to another. But a lot of what made the idea novel and, uh, you know, why the, the language is so resonant is uh, the, the idea that frequently to move forward, you have to almost unpack and unwind uh, things that you had learned in the past to actually uh, allow you to come at things fresh. Reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, the great uh, book, uh, Zen Mind, Beginner Mind, uh, 
where like a lot of, um, you know, Eastern thought involves, uh, you know, coming at things as though you were a beginner. So like not, not allowing your prior knowledge to uh, over influence your understanding of what's fresh and what's emerging. Um, and um, I think we did pretty good work, uh, you know, digging up some research uh, heading into this, which we'll share out, which I think uh, shows, shows the wide range of uses of, uh, of this concept. But, uh, but a lot of it has come out of organizational psychology and workforce development, where um, as folks are trying to learn new skills, frequently, uh, part particularly, you know, retraining experts as their uh, domain evolves. Um, is one of the primary areas where where this concept has emerged. And to Brandon's point, like I do think the language is just pretty sharp. Um, and we talk a lot about the power of learning versus, you know, when we're talking about learning versus education, uh, we don't talk about uneducation. Uh, maybe we should. Uh, but, um, but I do think the, the idea that it's not only acquiring new knowledge, it's actually sort of... Um, reframing and potentially um, letting go of prior knowledge is a critical part to uh, staying fresh and relevant. Uh, I thought there's a lot for us to talk about there. Yeah. And I, I, we may want to just tease this out and come back to it, but uh, I think the thing where I, I may, it just may be that I don't understand the science well enough to know is whether unlearning actually happens or if it's actually just learning over things you've learned before. Right. So like, we've used the language of hooks before. Like, it's not like you tear the hooks off the wall mm -hmm. and you affix a new hook. It's that you hook a new hook to the old hook. Right. And so it, it has the same implications. At least this is my understanding of, of the literature that, that we read here. It has mm -hmm. the same um, effect, uh, arguably, as actually unlearning, which involves, you know, in theory, maybe some um, jettisoning of things you've learned before. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm not sure actually that it is that that I think the controversy is a little bit around is it actually unlearning right, right. or is it just you know sort of um, having a new sort of theory to around some of the things that you thought that you've learned? Yes, and and I think the related question that that raises is like the advantage of someone with prior knowledge versus the uh, the advantage of someone with no prior knowledge. So like the whole tabula rasa thing, like if there's no prior learning to interfere with the new acquisition is that actually advantageous so that like in some ways to move forward one of the concepts around unlearning is that you actually need to almost get the experts to let go of prior knowledge so almost to your point remove the previous hook particularly if the the body of knowledge has evolved such that it would actually interfere um, which I thought it was interesting. There was an article from the New York Times yep. about uh, how doctors who've been in the field for, you know, 30, 40 years, uh, you know, medicine is not frozen in time. So uh, the, the stuff that you learned when you were first being trained as a doctor um, may no longer be relevant. And then, uh, you know, we've talked, I remember talking about parenting uh, with, with you, Brandon, and, and one of the, the things you brought up was like frequently the the grandparents who are telling you how to parent haven't actually parented a child in uh, 40, 35, 40 or more years. And uh, their uh, 
they're not really willing to let go of that knowledge and they expect you to sort of accept it as, as gospel. So I, I do think there is, there's an interesting um, point to unlearning that ties to um, an aging population and the idea that as we get older, um, in many ways, there's an even greater need to reacquire and update our, our knowledge. Uh, and at least historically, there's been a correlation between getting older and becoming more fixed in terms of understanding. So like how open are, uh, are how open is the aging population to um, lean into letting go of what they learned and uh, reacquiring that knowledge through a fresh lens, I think is an interesting uh, topic for us to understand. Yeah. And I, I think um, it is that openness, right? It's the, I used the phrase unpacking, I think earlier, Mike, the, um, you know, sort of being willing to deconstruct is is probably to me more interesting actually, and it's maybe because I'm not a neuroscientist, but more interesting than the neuroscience behind actually, is it that you're jettisoning, jettisoning mm -hmm. old information and wiping the the tabula clean mm -hmm. and uh, then you know applying new information, or is it in fact that you're just um, adding to learning that already is stuck in your brain somewhere? Like that's less interesting to me actually than just being open, doing the self-reflection, doing the self-interrogation and say what I know to be fact um, either may no longer be or may never have been. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's, a, that, like, that's at the core of unlearning, right? Sure. Um, I think if we take the, the example um, from the uh, health profession field, you know, it, it talks about, we can get into this a little bit, but it like, talks about uh, over-prescribing drugs and that there was, there's very clear evidence that we should stop doing that. And yet doctors continue to do it. And the sort of thesis here is because it's what they've learned and it's hard for them to unlearn it. Mm -hmm. um, that said, like, I think I wouldn't want a doctor who has no experience, who's never gone to med school, you know, who's never interacted with a human being. <laughs> like I wouldn't want that person to be my doctor. Right. So I think that the best outcome is where you can take experts in their field uh, who have a healthy relationship with their expertise and um, to say, you know, that what I once thought may no longer be the case. And so to be always having sort of a, a constant coding and recoding of what you think that you know, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, we're, I think we made this point before, like the history of science is proving that what we once believed before is wrong. Right. Right. I mean, I'm being reductive, but like that, we should assume we should go into all the things that we know, assuming that we're going to learn things that complicate or complement or, you know, uh, in some, some way change in some degree our perspective on them. So mm -hmm. I, that, that should, I think, be our default position. Yeah. Agreed. And, and, and I like where you're going too, just around um, maybe just extending a little bit on what you're talking about. The, Frequently, the facts don't change. The, the theoretical frameworks that explain the facts change. So, like, I think that's an interesting idea, too. So, it's sort of like, uh, you know, Thomas Kuhn and the, the structure of scientific revolutions, which is, oh, that's, that's serious, is, uh, <laughs> is sort of the, the notion of a paradigm shift. And, like, you know, as we continue to uh, live longer and ideally stay engaged as stay like intellectually engaged and um, you know, staying aware of the evolution of the different fields and the body of knowledge that's emerging, 
frequently that involves, um, you know, still understanding the same fundamental uh, reckoning of the world around us, but then sort of broadening that perspective to incorporate like a different um, paradigm. And um, I think that's interesting because that then to me also ties to the notion of uh, learning transfer where like frequently you want to take um, what you already knew and then retain some of it when you sort of lean into the next um, mental model, the next cognitive framework that you're uh, accepting of. But I think it also, it requires experts to be a little more humble and open than perhaps uh, some of the, the, the sort of public perception of expertise is. You know, it's sort of accepting that even if I am a worldwide leader in uh, you know, cognitive neuroscience and I understand everything about how the brain correlates to motivation, for example, to understand that um, I need to uh, approach that knowledge with humility because to your point, um, I'm gonna need to unlearn some of these things that I'm extremely confident about right now. It does remind me of um, uh, like an organizational leadership article I was reading, uh, might've been Adam Grant or was someone who reminds me of Adam Grant. Uh, who was talking about how, um, you know, you want to be led by uh, leaders who have some uh, self-doubt, like actually leadership when uh, questioning their own authority, uh, even if they come across as less confident, uh, frequently they're more likely to be right. So like, I, I think there is a, a it's almost like a cautionary tale, I guess, to a certain extent around unlearning, where like, if you think, and it's growth mindset, if you think you're done learning, uh, you're actually wrong. Like right. you, you always need to be open to evolving uh, your thinking over your life. It does feel as though this ties into multiple topics we've covered here before the generational aspect that you brought up, Mike, and, and as people do uh, tend to age, they tend to become a little bit more fixed in their mindset and, and whether or not they can learn, always be learning, something Brandon, you champion, and we, we've talked about here on the podcast that it's the constant education and learning of yourself that really matters, uh, growth mindset you just brought up, Mike. So there's a lot of pieces here uh, that seem to tie to things we've discussed before, I am also intrigued the way Brandon is on how it actually works. And there are, you know, some debates around that and how all these pieces come together. I, I wonder your take your mic. And if I'm taking us down a, a different pathway, uh, feel free to, to negate this, but it's also a negative word, right? Unlearning has this negative sound to it. I, I do think it's, it's uh, sharp and I do think it has uh, a great trend to it, but it, it's a negative off the front for me to think of unlearning, to losing knowledge in some way. Do you think that's something that plays in part of how people react to it? Or, or do you think it's simply just my, me reacting to it the way I, I see it? Uh, it? It reminds me of the non-obvious angle where like unlearning is surprising. So like learning is what everyone talks about and uh, sort of the, the positive additive additive aspect of acquiring new knowledge is generally the way people think about learning, which at times may, uh, may sort of, sort of speed past the, the deeper understanding that, uh, you know, all knowledge is flawed and anything that you think you understood with, uh, with certitude is likely to be uh, shook uh, at some point in the relatively near future, which I think 
coincides also with sort of the crisis of truth that we're in right now where like people have trouble believing anything because it's hard to prove anything and uh opinion winds up you know uh persuasive and confident opinion winds up trumping everything um so so i i think it is a very uh it's a it's a subtly profound idea um and i think it's a simple uh way to sort of play with the language to talk about unlearning as opposed to learning um interestingly though it may be too simple in that um in some ways you still have the prior knowledge and uh you acquire new knowledge on top of it. I remember um, talking to a friend of mine uh, also, in, you know, perhaps in, in, the, in his middle years, and he was talking about acquiring knowledge as uh, being similar to barnacles accreting on the hull of a ship. So like over the years, as your, as your hull gets older, uh, you have more and more layers of barnacles and they start to interfere with each other. So like there is the other aspect of um, aging that is hard where like, uh, it's almost that you've acquired so much factual knowledge that uh, it starts to interfere. Um, and I think that was another subtler aspect of unlearning where like frequently the, the stuff you remembered from your past, if you could let it go, you'd be more apt to uh, understand new knowledge with that beginner's mind. Um, and, uh, and just that book Zen mind beginner's mind is, is very much something that uh, you know, I do think like a lot of the the stuff that I like from Eastern thinking is about uh, just being in the moment and um, reminds me a little bit of Daniel Kahneman's work too around uh, thinking fast and slow, where like the the focus mode of cognition is like knowing facts and knowing details. And then the unfocused mode is when that stuff just becomes automated um, and just being conscious of that. So that understanding, um, frequently stuff that just feels automated um, was originally learned and to reach like a next level insight or next level capability frequently you have to let go of what's been automated and become more conscious of your own um, mental processes um, but um, yeah it's deep, it's interesting stuff like I, I think the language is interesting is it uh is it again a Lewis Carroll thing I mean I was trying to is it a, that was an unbirthday party yeah it's more is? Lewis Carroll yeah. yeah absolutely yeah yeah um yeah just plus one I was thinking the same thing uh it's I think has that non-obvious surprise factor to it um I think in fact if you were to try to describe it in more positive language um and this is you know not intended as a workshop this when especially our listeners can't engage with me um but uh if you're like um purposeful relearning. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be worse in terms of a catchy, you know, having a hook than unlearning. Mm -hmm. um, sure. Because I, I, hopefully for most folks, unlearning prompts some version of this conversation, actually. Like, do they think about, am I, um, you know, am, am I, for, is unlearning forgetting? I don't, I don't think so. Although like barnacles and hulls uh, in there, like there's, as you uh, sail further on the seas, like there is more forgetting and that can be a version of, of unlearning. Sure. But um, it's not just that. It's like it's being really purposeful about, uh, about that. Um, so I, I, think, I think it's a pretty, I think it's a, it's a pretty pithy um, hook there on the, on the unlearning side. Um, a couple other thoughts. Um, 
I was, it, this, it's hard to do the unlearning part. And I think that's like, that's why it's, you know, something that's in the zeitgeist now with the example of the, the you know, health professionals still continuing to do things that they know or that there's research that says is not the right thing to do. Uh, from South by, I was at um, a session with uh, Claire Cook from McGraw-Hill, who is a learning specialist there. And she presented on five neuro myths. Mm. So uh, having done a show on, on myths uh, and busting some of them, I was um, excited to attend. And she did cover the myths that, uh, that we had covered. There are a couple other extras, which I thought were pretty neat. Um, the Mozart effect, like does playing classical mm. music make either in utero or for children or for adults, does, you, does it make you smarter? Mm -hmm. um, there was, it's interesting on that one, I'll come back to my point in a second, but on, on that one, um, until then I will say more words. Please. Um, like there was this research, there was a study done in the 90s that showed, um, you know, in sort of a lab setting, showed that it did. And this sprung out this whole like set of toys for children, learning products, et cetera. That research has been debunked. Mm. And so there are like multiple times that they've tried to replicate this, this piece of science, this finding, and they haven't been able to do so. And so that is now considered to be debunked. And yet, like there's all of these, again, toys, educational products, et cetera, that still have a life because of this baby Mozart. Yeah. Like there are these things that exist. And, and in fact, they, um, there's no good research. You should unlearn that. Yeah, until, until it's bunked. <laughs> until it's rebunked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The thing that was interesting, this was the point that I'm now coming back to, is that in, um, in her slides, um, uh, Carol Cook presented the percentage of the general population that believes this the percentage of educators and the percentage of people with high neuroscience exposure. Mm -hmm. So for something like the 10% of the brain myth, which was the one that she led off with um, that one, if I'm just checking my stats, so 36% of the general population believes that 33% of educators and 14% of people with high neuroscience exposure Yeah. versus um, the learning styles one. Right which is 93% uh, of the general population, 76% of educators, and 78% of people with high neuroscience exposure. Uh -huh. So, you know, I think you had touched on this before, but just to offer some recent from South by evidence that even people who went presented with the science behind that says this was never bunked or it's subsequently been debunked, right. people are like, yeah, but I'm still going to go with what I think. Right, right. You know, like the unlearning part, you have to be humble. You have to really want to be committed to doing it mm -hmm. because absent a better process where you're constantly interrogating what you believe, like you believe what you believe. Totally. Right. I, yeah. I, I love where you're going with the uh, neuroscience exposure. Almost sounds like Peter Parker in the science yeah. lab and he was exposed to raw Neuroscience. Raw neuroscience. That's and, right. Uh, and then who knows what happens after that happens. Now his neuro spidey senses are up. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a lot of uh, ignoring our own personal experience to an extent, right? Like I've experienced that I learn best by X and for me to then say learning styles don't exist, I need to unlearn my own personal biases, which probably is the hardest thing to unlearn. Uh, Brown University, in fact, has uh, an interesting course that came out in the fall called uh, Unlearning Toxic Masculinity. Mm -hmm. And so that, I know uh, Rohit has uh, some writing on that uh, for the non-obvious. And, and I think uh, pop culture may be the wrong thing, but in, in sort of trending news, uh, that's obviously another way they're using this word 
on learning, but this is more about a personal trait or, or how one was raised. Uh, it's not about medicine. It's not about math. It's about sort of a personality trait or, or the way we may act amongst people. And Mike, I, I find that an interesting use of this word that they're, they're sort of trying to, and I'll use this in my opinion, reprogram people in a way to, to think differently about how they may act in, in public or with other people. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really interesting analogy too, because it does remind me of addiction and uh, behavior change, right? So like a lot of the, the behavioral rituals that we sort of uh, fall prey to and maybe routinize to the point where getting back to the point of, uh, you know, it almost becomes an automatic behavior. I'm no longer conscious of what I'm doing. Frequently, those are the things that uh, benefit from unlearning to kind of break the behavioral rut, the routine. Uh, and I think lots of times that requires awareness that I can choose to do this or not to do it. And rather than just unconsciously snap into a routine that is uh, maybe uh, unconscious, I instead can become conscious of my own behavior. Um, and that's where I think regardless of the, the, you know, what's good or bad about the, uh, the body of research that we've been looking at. I do think that idea of uh, increasing uh, some of the self-awareness around your own behavior to the point that uh, if you're doing something that just comes naturally because you've done it for many, many years, um, I think there is a, a, an elevating of consciousness that happens when you realize I'm doing this because I'm allowing myself to fall into that subroutine as opposed to saying I am intentionally doing it. Cause when you're first learning something, you have to be very conscious of when you're first learning to drive, always a great example. You're very conscious of every step in the procedure to drive. And then by the time it becomes automated, you're, um, you're really not thinking, well, uh, it comes automated next level so that you're not even driving, but that's a separate conversation. But the idea that, um, you know, the, the cognitive intent to perform a behavior um, in some ways, what makes us so good is the idea that it can all become these sort of subconscious subroutines that, that we just snap into. But I think the concept of unlearning reminds us that, um, there's a, there's a high level of awareness that says, I'm going to kick into that subroutine. I'm going to accept that the stuff that I learned is more valuable and I'm just going to like kick it off as opposed to, um, you know, almost getting back to that initial consciousness where like I'm first acquiring the skill. It does remind me a little bit of the whole mindfulness movement too, yep. like where if you're actually very present in the moment, I think you become more aware of the constituent behaviors that sort of drive higher level functioning. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really interesting when you start thinking about it, how it relies, how it ties to uh, addiction or uh, implicit bias or, or, you know, a lot of the things that people are trying, behaviors that people are trying to break themselves out of, in some ways they do need to, uh, you know, go back to the drawing board to a certain extent and kind of unwind their learning. And mentioned before, I do think there's a direct tie-in with growth mindset in a way here. I, I will admit I had to unlearn the way I learned math in elementary school to help my daughter. I had to just f forget about the way I learned to be able to relearn the way they're teaching it now to then be able to help her with her homework, uh, which was something that I'll be honest, took a little letting go of my pride and letting go of the fact I know how to do this to then have her show me 
maybe researched a little bit. I looked up some YouTube videos, Brandon, and, and came back to a, a place where I felt like, okay, I can now learn the new way. It, do you see that as part of the generational aspect? Like we talked about the grandparents telling us how to parent 40 years later, um, or is it simply just the changing landscape of, of learning that we just need to constantly be open to the idea that things are going to be different as we learn new things? Yeah, I don't know that that's an either or. I, I definitely think that we should, Mike used the word humility before I think repeated that. I think that's really important that you should just assume that many of the things that you believe to be true, whether it's through, you know, you learned them once or you have deep expertise, may or may not end up being true. And I think that just that general approach to your learning and your life will lead you to be um, just a, a better member of society. So I, I don't, you know, I think um, the grandparents offering parenting advice, uh, it's actually sometimes a lack of humility that they can't imagine that something that was true 40, 50 years ago is no longer true. Um, you know, and I think if they, um, and I'm talking to you, mom, um, <laughs> uh, if they, uh, you know, if they were open to the fact that things have changed, it's not that they should jettison all of their parenting advice, nor actually, Dan, do I imagine you're jettisoning all of your math experience. It's that you need to have, um, you know, the, it's, it's a vulnerability actually to say, I am not expert in this. Even if I once was, I need to learn new ways of doing that. But then you can um, marry that with the experience that you do have to, I think, make something that's, that's really um, powerful. Um, and I think even, you know, another South by example, the um, keynote on day three was uh, Skip Gates, who's a, a professor of FM studies at Harvard, and uh, Paula Kerger, who's the president and CEO of PBS, talking about a new show that they have, um, a four-hour special on reconstruction. Mm. Um, and it's American history. They made a point that this isn't a black history show being released in February. It's American history being released in April. Mm -hmm. um, they showed a little clip of it. looks great. Um, but Skip Gates you know, asked the audience sort of what they learned about Reconstruction and did they learn about redemption? And I, you know, I went to high school in the early 90s in Ohio and it was, it did like, you learned a lot about the Civil War and then quickly ran through what happened right after it. And it, even though I have to, like, I need to have the humility to, to unlearn or relearn something about um, what actually happened in that time. The fact that I learned something different, I think, actually is itself interesting and can be a new learning opportunity. What, what was that telling me about um, the, you know, empowered um, majority who was writing the textbooks at the time? What does that mean about... Um, you know, how I would want things to change before my child is educated. But, so again, like, I, I don't think it's, um, it's a uh, deletion. It, it's a, um, uh, you're, you're sort of growing from something that you had before. Uh, and and, and enri it's an enrichment, uh, not, not a deletion. So I don't know if that, that answered your question, Dan, but I, I, that's, that's uh, generally my take on it. I, I think it did. And I, I, the way, as you both talked, it reminds me of computer program, a computer, right? You're not necessarily deleting the file and getting rid of it forever. You're rewriting. It's a rewrite on a script. It's a rewrite on a, a term paper where you're editing and you're changing maybe a little bit or a lot of it, uh, but you're aware of it. 
And I think that's what you both have said so well is that if we are aware of this and aware of our uh, shortcomings or, or lack of knowledge or lack of expertise, um, I think that's a, a great way to, to take this into consideration, make it part of uh, how we go about learning. Mike, any final thoughts here as we close out uh, the unlearning show? Not really. Uh, you know, I think at times we've talked about getting uh, your learn on. So uh, there may be times where you need to get your unlearn on. So, uh, so be open to when stuff you were certain about uh, get shook and actually try to lean into that experience and view that as a, like a genuine growth opportunity um, is something I think we'll all try to uh, remind ourselves of. And, uh, and I thought that was definitely uh, sort of emblematic of the research. Brandon, how about yourself? Yeah, I want to give myself credit for having made it all the way to the end of this pod without making the reference I'm about to, which is you can't have an unlearning show without the Yoda reference. Oh, sure. You must unlearn what you have learned. So uh, he was he was unlearned for what? Uh, he he was getting that in uh, in the zeitgeist years ago. Years ago, that was a that was an Empire Strikes Back uh, quote. This is before Yoda got like weird in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. It was like the, he was the height of his powers. He was yeah. It, well, he was. It, this was when George Lucas was at the height of his powers. Wow. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before I wish he had done done some unlearning. Um, but yeah, look, I, I, I really believe in this. Like, I, I think this is, uh, again, I, I'm not as close to the actual science behind and I'm interested in, in getting closer, but um, I think this is really important. Like we're, I believe that we're on sort of a, a lifelong learning journey. And if you think that you don't want to revisit destinations you've been to in the past, you know everything about them, that you're, you're missing out. So um, I'm, I'm glad people are talking about it. Uh, great topic. One I'm sure we'll come back to much like we do with generations and, and growth mindset uh, that we'll weave into future shows as we discuss through 2019 here on Trending Education. As always, you can find us at trendingeducation.com. You can find us on Twitter at Trending Ed. Same on Facebook. Love to hear from you on things you have unlearned or, or whether or not this is a new word for you and something that you look forward to learning about more in the future. Share the podcast uh, on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you may uh, listen with a colleague, with a friend. We'd appreciate that greatly. And uh, of course, you can share uh, what we share over there on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, we'll be back with you next Tuesday, as we always are right here with a brand new episode of Trending in Education.